0: Friends, it's great to see you. Welcome to the 35th episode of In The Know, your 25 minute deep dive into the modern employee experience and what we can do to make it better. I'm JD from Exonify, and today's show is all about AI. And I know, I know what you're thinking. Aren't there enough podcasts and articles and webinars about AI right now? Plus, didn't we already do an episode about AI? Yes. Yes, we did. Episode 23 was titled, The Robots Are Here. And if you weren't able to tune in, we actually used AI to generate the guests who I then interviewed about the opportunities and risks associated with applying AI in the workplace. So if you didn't see it, you should definitely check out that episode on the Exonify YouTube channel. But here's the thing, that was like six months ago. That's a really long time right now when it comes to the pace of innovation around generative AI. And the thing is that, you know, talking about AI is not just the trendy thing to do. It's something we need to keep discussing because it's going to influence the way all of us do our jobs every day. And right now, there are lots of people who are concerned that AI may, may work less human, you know, more generic, more automated, and even less creative. But our guest today, he sees things a little bit differently. We're joined by Juan Naranjo, a next-generation learning professional who applies AI in his work with a leading Canadian telecommunications company. Juan and I are gonna dig into the practical side of AI-enabled work, including what tasks people should continue to do. You know, how AI can help people be more creative and what we can all be doing right now to prepare for the AI-enabled workplace. But before we welcome our ITK guest, I thought I'd share a few new examples of how I'm applying AI within my work. You see, I write a newsletter every week called Ecosystem and it's where I expand on themes for my book, The Modern Learning Ecosystem, plug. And the August 6th edition was aptly titled Gains. And I explained how I used AI to save myself 11 hours on the job in one week. So I thought I'd give you a couple of those examples. You wanna read the full post. It's available at learngeek.substack.com. But first I wanna talk about how I used AI to generate the thumbnail for a YouTube video. And as any YouTuber will tell you, you know, the thumbnail makes the video. I mean, have you you seen this thumbnail from the episode that we did with Kara North? I don't even have to tell you what that episode's about. You just wanna see it, right? And I'm actually using AI already to generate about 70% of the images I use in media nowadays. And in this case, I was producing a video to answer all of the Q and A from a webinar that I did about AI and learning and development. But I needed that eye-catching thumbnail before I could share the video on the LearnGeek YouTube channel. So what I did was I jumped over to Bing Image Creator and I entered the prompt, a variety of robots staring into a white circle. Five seconds later, I had this image. I then Photoshopped myself into that circle space, added a few filters, a little bit of text. Voila, attention-grabbing thumbnail. Who wouldn't want to see what was going on in that video, right? I know. I also used GenAI to summarize the content that I share in Slack every day within my team. Now, I share a lot of articles from across the marketplace, videos, research reports, and the truth is people just don't have time to consume all of that content. So what we did was we applied the same generative AI we used to automatically build assessment questions to automatically summarize content within Slack. So for example, here's Red Thread Research's brand new 30 page research report into the learning technology marketplace. Everyone should check it out. And here's the AI generated summary of that report. And what the bot did was it distilled down the key points from the document, you know, from an article, from a video into a simple bulleted list. Now it doesn't include all of the detail, what it does is it gives you enough context to understand is this something that's relevant to me? And should I consume the entire piece of content, which everyone should in the case of the Red Thread Research Report? And given how much content I curate and how much pops up throughout the course of the week, this just wouldn't be possible before generative AI. And the last one I want to talk about is audio, specifically voiceover. Voiceover is one of those tasks that is very quickly being overtaken by AI because a lot of times you just need a voice, not necessarily a performance. And we've actually been using AI-generated voices here on ITK for several months. I mean, remember that episode with Kara North that had the really cool thumbnail? That show included a narrator that was entirely synthetic. In the past, it would have taken hours of scheduling, recording, editing to create those voiceover assets. And in this case, it just took minutes using 11 labs to generate Victoria. Isn't that right, Victoria?
1: That's right, JD. And thanks for having me on your show.
0: Thank you, Victoria. And that's just a few quick examples of how I'm using AI to make myself more productive in my own workflow. So how are you using AI as part of your job right now? Let us know in the LinkedIn chat, share some of your best examples. But now let's welcome our very human ITK guest, Juan Naranjo. Juan works in the Canadian telecommunications industry, leading a team focused on next-gen learning. His work blends the worlds of learning science and technology to advance the boundaries of what is possible in corporate education. His team has successfully deployed a proof of concept for a virtual learning assistant, an immersive VR course for field technicians, and the integration of the company's LXP into the employee's native tools. Juan has combined his knowledge of economics and management with the world of adult education to produce innovative solutions that allow organizations to assess the ROI of their learning function. Juan, you're in the know.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me here. And with that intro, I want to talk to the guy too.
0: <laughs> very exciting, very exciting. indeed. thanks so much for ha- for uh, for joining us today. So let's start off let's get right to it with a question that Perfect. is likely shared by a lot of people who are watching us right now when it comes to the impact of AI in the workplace. So I'm curious Juan, are you afraid that AI is going to take your job?
1: In the short term, no. I think um There is a lot that the natural intelligence part of the equation, we have the artificial intelligence part and the natural intelligence part of the equation. There's a lot that we can provide and uh, help to improve learning. So I thankfully, um, I don't know if I'm being over optimistic but I don't think uh, our jobs are uh, at risk in the short term. Now in the long term, uh, different story and uh, that's a bigger uh, societal conversation about what we're going to do when these systems get so powerful that um well will be problematic for humans humans to keep up with them
0: very true very true so from from my perspective one of the best ways to avoid that concern around ai taking your job is to take a close look at your own job and see how you can evolve it yourself and that means Assessing the workflow to find out you know, what tasks can be more effectively done by a machine and as well as maybe tasks that just don't have to be done anymore when it comes to working within an AI-powered workplace. So from your perspective, what kinds of tasks should be delegated to AI, especially within learning and development, and then what kinds of tasks should people continue to handle, you know, whether it's using technology or independently on our own?
1: Totally. I think AI is making us um, super designers in the current world. We have superpowers now. We can do things in minutes that before would take days or hours. So I think anything that uh, will help you advance faster and see more ideas and um, extend um, the, the, the information available to solve any problem will be a good help. Things are simple things. Um, helps uh, that I have used with AI at the personal level, uh, it's good for providing ideas, as you said. Now, 99% of the ideas are not that original, that great, but the 1% that is good, is good. And then you also know that the other 99% are things that don't bother with them. Everyone else is thinking about it. So it's a good way of gauging how to evolve and, and, and how to create, for example, a good workshop. Right, because you can see, okay, so just me structures for the workshop. And then you go through it, and some of them are honestly lame, but there are a few good ideas. Another good, good use of AI is okay, help me uh, redraft this piece of text in a way that is more straightforward, are going to save words, it's in a more directed style, um, etc. etc. That's Perfect. That's wonderful. Normally, does a good job. Not always. But again, that's why we need the human still to check it out and say, OK, let's let's use common sense for, for the solution. Another good um, way of using AI as just a direct use or not a learning and development department is um, you can get research done. And um, that has to be done carefully. Um, I had one. Um, kind of research task that I assigned to AI about what are the latest and the most important scientists in the last uh, 10 years that have produced papers about um, effective learning techniques and actually came up with a very good list. But at the same time, one week later, someone in my team decided to ask AI about um, very good um, sort of either studies or surveys that prove the return on investment of certain l interventions. And then when This person sent me the article uh, from Bing, in this case. I started checking the details, and all the references were made up, (laughs) right? So it can go terribly wrong. You have to know how to use it. So that's at the personal level. At the organizational level, as an LID and the department, there are a lot of things you can do. I don't know if you want me to get into those ones now.
0: Uh, Give us one example. Perfect. I think
1: you mentioned one of the most powerful ones, which is... um, A script or text to voice solutions. It allows you to create um, voiceovers for all your web based training assets, which we couldn't dream about before because it was extremely expensive. Like making voiceovers for our WBTs before, if we wanted to do the whole thing, was like more than half a million dollars. Now it costs us just a couple thousand just to do the whole thing. For videos, also, it's great. You put in the script. You get the script in, like the voiceover for whatever video you created, and you also can get the French Canadian version of it. So, and then you can edit and you can redo things. Uh, so, um, it's very powerful in that sense. Um, it saves a lot of money in studio time, in hiring vendors who are specialized in voiceover, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's one example. I have a few others.
0: Yeah, I think I think what you really nailed in those examples is. It's important to not think of AI as one thing, or even as generative AI as one thing, because its level of capability and quality in a variety of different tasks varies, just like a person does, right? You don't generally work with a person who's just amazing at literally everything that they could possibly do at work, right? Someone's an amazing visual designer, but maybe they're not the greatest writer or researcher. Someone's a great researcher, but they can't Photoshop. That's just not what they do. So it's kind of, I look at it similarly to say, How does it function within each individual task? And as a result, how can I leverage it for those purposes? That's why I like to share those examples from the top of the show, which is I'm using kind of similar brands of technology, but in very pointed ways to get specific outcomes that are enabling me to do my job differently. So I wanted to see when it comes to the creative side of work, and you mentioned this a little bit, I'm curious, is there a particular example or process that you've worked through that leveraged AI to help you be more creative in the work that you were doing?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, Yeah, we have a few examples. One of them is um, one of the designers in my team was trying to find a very specific type of photograph and went through all the iStock repository and couldn't find exactly what he needed or wanted. So he got, um, I think it was Dali, to generate an image. And then that image... um, was okay, but then downloaded the image, modify it. The basics were right. It was exactly what he was looking for. Again, the execution wasn't quite there, but Photoshop took care of the rest. So um, meaning the human <laughs> with the Photoshop took care of the rest. And then the image was excellent, perfect. Something that before we could not have had, like we would have had to hire a photographer and get the exact shot we wanted. And it would have taken forever and we would have had to go through, you know, You know, companies, you have to go through RFPs and RFIs and things like that, SOWs and horrible, other horrible bureaucratic acronyms all the time. (laughs) But uh, with this, you, you save time there. Also, in terms of tweaking text, which can be very creative, you're stuck with your style. And then you ask it, okay, could you write it as if you were a person in this type of job? or a person with this type of personality, just to play with it. And sometimes comes back with really, really interesting ideas. The other thing that is very interesting too, is that the tools we're using, um, like Creative Cloud, um, like Storyline, et cetera, they're adopting all the AI um, tools within them. They're in suite. So um, we have used um, uh, the, the capabilities within a Creative Cloud that I think is FarFly, what it is called, I, you know, I speak Spanish. I sometimes call it firefly. Sometimes uh, is a fly fire, but, you know. <laughs> it's <yeah>. firefly. <laughs> so it's, okay, thank you. <laughs> but, so basically, um, you get the images, the, the thing is already embedded in the system, and it's just having the openness or leveraging it when you need it. So those are some other examples that we have used for uh, creative work. We have used it also to brainstorm ideas. So we're in a brainstorming session and we use it as another uh, person attending. And then we put part of the text of the brainstorming and say, hey, do you have more ideas about this? Um, It's very bad at it, (laughs) it's getting better. The ideas, as I said, are very um, cheesy, um, not very innovative, but again, you never know. Sometimes you run into stuff that is interesting. Again, the 10% of value it adds is is very valuable and the other 90% is, uh, okay, whatever, it's just average.
0: Yeah. I think that's why it's why it's important to separate the term generate and create, right? Because it's not Mm -hmm. really creating per se it's generating based on source information. So that's why so many of the ideas you've seen this before, but maybe you haven't seen it lately. So just bouncing that information off of another entity in this case can lead to new ideas. And and in my case, I'm a big uh, Bing image creator fan right now from a, from an image generation perspective. And uh, I did a workshop earlier this week uh, based on my book that was entirely themed to Back to the Future. Now, did anyone ask for that? No, no one asked for that. But what the AI allowed me to do was generate, kind of regenerate the slate of images in my presentation to be evocative of the Back to the Future storyline without it being exactly Back to the Future. So it's just something I've never been able to think about doing before that I can do now with these tools. So I think it's just it's interesting as you start rethinking your own workflow through different technologies as those technologies evolve. And, and to do that, you know, we have to know where does the AI fit, but also what tools are available? You know, what do the tools do? How do they work? What are they good at? What are they not so good at? And there's literally hundreds of tools dropping. Like their entire business is now wrapped around archiving lists of AI tools so you can figure out what's out there and what works and what doesn't, as you know, everyone's racing to catch the hype. So I'm curious, how do you get past the noise and find AI tools that are really beneficial to your work?
1: Oh, that's super important in terms of prioritization. So we have two things, um, like can, kind of we have the expansive approach and the condensed approach. The expansive approach is we have a couple of people in the team who um, it's very focused on capturing, and I contribute to building up a list of different tools that we come across, and then. From the most interesting ones we pick the top two or three and then we explore them and sometimes have conversations with the vendors that's a way uh, we have discovered a couple of interesting things but the most powerful way to get into ai is explore it with your um it partner so for example in the case of the organization i work for is microsoft for others will be google for other ones will be amazon whatever whoever it is they are developing already many tools and um just as a a short story for this specifically, again, sorry, going back to the same example, the um, text to voice generator, we did a lot of research and then we went to IT and then they discovered that everything that was being offered out there, well, guess what? Azure Cognitive Services already had the solution or something close enough by a fraction of the price. So that's what we're applying. And that's the same with the large language models. We have uh, bots in our organization um, that take care of just-in-time training and they're successful and then we're adding a layer an LLM layer large language model uh, to the bot and the way we're doing it is again leveraging um, Azure cognitive services in a, I'm not saying it's necessarily the best in the world it's very good actually but uh, it depends on who is your technology partner because then You're already acting within the ecosystem. You're saving all the cybersecurity, incertitude and processes and et cetera. So something that I will recommend is make sure you're in close connection with your technology partners and IT and explore what is already there. And yeah, keep an eye out there for what is in the market, but leverage what is handy and easy to use uh, that is uh, of immediate access, let's say, quote unquote.
0: That's a great reminder about the fact that it doesn't matter if you're in learning and development, you're in HR, you're in operations. You're not the only person having this conversation, especially right now, given how buzzy AI and generative AI are. So instead of having these conversations in silos and potentially replicating work and spending money, you don't need to spend collaborate basically, especially a great example of why it's important to be friends with it. Cause they, they oh, usually yeah. have a bunch of cool toys and you don't, even know that they're there and how they could be beneficial to you. And they're great at risk aversion. So if you don't want to make a mistake that would be potentially problematic for your organization, like taking proprietary information and putting it into free software, don't do that. Um, They can also help you avoid those risks as we all try to catch up with how technology is evolving. And then there's something that you mentioned earlier that I want to dive into before we run out of time, which is, the idea of equity and and fairness. And I think that's a big role within technology and how we can leverage technologies to make sure everyone gets a chance to do their best work. And I think AI really is going to help us elevate equity within the workplace. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on on how AI can help make the workplace more fair and equitable for everyone.
1: Oh, absolutely. It democratizes access to many resources that were not available before. And um, you may be, as you said before, short in one skill set, but you have this wonderful idea in your mind, but you're short in certain skill set, maybe visual design and you're an excellent writer or the opposite. Now you have a more kind of equal opportunity to do things because these tools can help you in the areas you are a little bit weaker. And there is that you're stronger too. You have some something to validate your ideas. So I think that's a great equalizer. The, Way many tools have been structured because they can be activated by voice in many cases um, and other sort of supports also help people who are neurodiverse or have accessibility uh, needs. So that's an equalizer too. And something else that actually came back to me now that you mentioned this, is an equalizer in a way too for humans is that I don't know if you have seen that synthetic neural networks which is networks that use other neural networks to learn, very quickly crash in quality and become absolutely and utterly useless. So the human input is very important always. We give us all of us um, faith and hope. Because what happens is these networks completely depend on human input. And as soon as that human input kind of decreases or becomes less creative or et cetera, they just get stuck in the same and same and same ways until eventually the system implodes. So in terms of equalizing our life and our natural intelligence with artificial intelligence, that's an equalizer
0: too. It's a lot like the Fast and Furious franchise, as it were. You know, it starts out with a deep heartfelt story that also involves car racing and then at some point by the 10th movie they're in outer space and you don't know how we got here so it's a lot of those same diminishing returns and i think again great points about that kind of equalizing nature of technology and two of the things i've seen recently that i think are just simple but uh, astounding is one translation how much faster translation's getting to the point where it's of the quality that you need to make it a meaningful kind of improvement to your your workplace. And I know how many times in my career, we've had to make decisions around, you know, which languages will we translate content to or make available to people? And, you know, we're going to do the, the foremost popular or the ones that are required by regulators. Well, why can't it be every language that someone might need, because you know one person may need it, doesn't mean that they're not deserving of it. So that, and then reading level is another one we talked a lot about, where AI has the ability to reinterpret, as you mentioned, information into different styles. So maybe someone that doesn't have substantial reading skills can actually now consume content that was written in a lot of legal ease or by people who aren't familiar with different. Reading, reading preferences. Uh, so now you know, everyone can consume the same content, but consume it in a way that makes sense to them. So I, that's some of the stuff I'm most excited about when it comes to the, kind of the application of AI in different parts of the workplace. And I'm curious to get, I have one more question for you before we, we uh, get out of here. There was a question that came up in a recent panel that I was doing around AI, and someone asked the question, you know, with how fast things are moving, should I just wait? Right? Should I just wait six months, 12 months to really get involved in the conversation? Are things going to be settled down there? Um, is it a waste of time to dive in right now? So I'm curious, based on how you see the technology evolving and how we started our conversation about you know, the impact now versus the impact in the future, you know, how should people be preparing? Should people wait or should people be you know, diving into this conversation right now?
1: You have to beat me here no way you help like you can't not wait you have to be in it you have to understand it even if you're not doing everything you need to be with the flow you need to understand what's happening again because the uses you get for ai are very organic very adapted to your individual organization as to you as a person so no like i, I think ai precisely because it advances very quickly, it's a very good idea to be super connected to it. Knowing what's happening, don't overwhelm yourself, don't try to understand everything because it's physically impossible, but stay tuned to the things that may affect your profession, that may make the work of your people better. Like to your point, you think, I think I write great, and then you put it through the engine and say okay put it at a nine grade level so anyone can understand what i wrote and you discover oh my gosh it could have been way simpler and more straightforward so that's with everything just be playful try everything and enjoy it and uh, stay tuned don't disconnect yourself it's the worst mistake you can make
0: And I, and i'm with you i think there's a difference between being distracted by it and a meaningful exploration and kind of awareness. And and you mentioned the example of having, dedicating some capacity of your team to doing the research. And, And so it's not, if you have 15 people on your team, all 15 people don't need to be AI hungry all the time, but how are you having those conversations as part of your work and then finding those immediate gains like the stuff we talked about today, where right now you can be improving the quality of your work, improving your efficiency, but still keep an eye on, well, how is this changing the workplace? What work needs to be done? How people do their jobs? And as a result in learning and development, how we support people doing those jobs. So I think it's, it's a great point why we're gonna continue to talk about AI here on In The Know um, as we move forward. So Juan, thank you again so much for joining us today as a thanks for your time. Uh, we'd like to make a, a small donation to a charitable organization that well, you're particularly you. passionate about. So could you tell us a little bit about the cause that you've selected?
1: Oh, well, so Haven, Toronto is a a cause that is close to my uh, heart. Um, They take care of homeless people. Um, You know, the homeless crisis in North America in general is is big. And well, even though it's good to realize that it is there, uh, it's better if you do something about it instead of just complaining. So if you have any homeless organization in your city, please support it. Uh, Donate time, donate money, donate whatever you can, because they are not out in the streets because they love it. I mean, some of them may, but it's not the case for the majority. The majority are having a very tough time. So donating your time and money to organizations that support them, it's probably one of the best things you can do to have a beautiful city.
0: Great cause indeed. And then Juan, how can people follow you, connect with you, and learn more about the work you're doing?
1: You can reach out to me through LinkedIn. Uh, That's the best way to find me. And uh, I'll be happy to answer um, all your questions as soon as I
0: can. Awesome. Thanks again so much to Juan Narano for sharing his insights into the AI-powered workplace. If you had a good time, be sure to subscribe to ITK. Head over to exonify.com slash ITK to sign up for show announcements and reminders. You can also check out the entire ITK collection on the Exonify YouTube channel, or listen to In the Know on your favorite podcast app. I'll see you back here in two weeks, same ITK time, same ITK channel for our next deep dive into the human side of work. Until then, I've been JD. Now you're in the know. And Always remember to ask yourself the important questions. Like, what do you call an AI that's obsessed with its Instagram account? Selfie aware. I'll see you next time. In the Know is produced by Sam True, visual design by Mark Anderson. Additional production support by Risha McCutcheon, Andrea Miller, Malia Bernard, Tung La, and Megan Kay. The show is written and hosted by J.D. Dunn. ITK is an Exonify production. For more information on how Exonify helps frontline workers learn, connect, and get things done, visit Exonify.com.